0: I'm driving up north to NorCal for the holidays and I'm the passenger and when I say I take this sacred duty so seriously.
1: But you are <laughs> you're the passenger who takes the combination duty. Seriously, of Navigator and DJ. And
0: and we have to acknowledge that DJ is the most important of those duties. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, because as the driver, I can typically like my car is uh, 10 years old, but still I can look at the screen in the center of the console and see where I'm going. Right. But it's a lot harder to change up your songs, especially when the vibe of the playlist isn't quite right.
0: Right, it's all about the it's all about the playlist. It's about the queue setting up the queue and you yes. could do it ahead of time. But who wants to do that? That's what the passenger's for. Okay, so it's we're it's the holidays. How much or how little do I put in Christmas songs? So uh, a peek
1: behind the curtain, as we touched on this very quickly before we started recording, and my pitch was a lot of sad indie music, and then every once in a while, just punctured with Dominic the Donkey only Dominic the donkey. No other Christmas songs. No, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. No Frosty the Snowman. Just Dominic the donkey. No,
0: no. See, and this is why we had to stop the conversation and take it to the, <laughs> the podcast because I was like, no, the people need to weigh in as if this suddenly became a group conversation where I could get other perspectives in the moment. <laughs> it is. We're listening. Just pause to feel listen really... Really carefully. Please, <laughs> weigh in, because I think it is infinitely funnier if it goes from I'll Call Your Mom by Noah Kahn to I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm saying Dial Drunk followed by Dominic the Donkey is its just – because the thing is, the first time you hear Dominic the Donkey, haha, funny, third, fourth time, I'm telling you, it's either going to be a riot of laughter Or the driver's going to throw you out of the car. And either way, you've got a good story to tell.
0: (laughs) If I live. (laughs) 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 Uh, What is it? Uh, Okay, so Northern Attitude, cut to rocking around the Christmas tree. I just found out Uh that song is sung by a 13-year-old. Really? Originally recorded by Brenda Lee. Uh, It was written by Johnny Marks who had previously penned Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, good job, my guy, uh-huh. and and a holly jolly Christmas, in spite of her adult voice, Lee recorded the song when she was only 13 years old. End quote.
1: She did a fantastic job. She was way too young.
0: Also, it sounds like someone's, like older mom young grandma who's hyped about the holiday sangria and the like everyone in that christmas party is smoking inside you know they are (laughs) absolutely they
1: are absolutely at 13 she's probably been offered one what was this when was this recorded in 1958 Oh, people were smoking up a storm still back at that
0: time. This little girl was drinking the eggnog with the rum at 13. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Th- that broke me. And that's why I can't stop thinking about Christmas music. And by the way, hi, I'm Rowan Hall.
1: And I'm Tracy Harrison.
0: She just looked at me like, Rowan, that was the worst transition you've ever no, done. No, no, I, thought you not. Gonna do, I thought you were going
1: to do, I thought you might do a bit about like, I'm Rowan Hall and I drink the eggnog.
0: With oh, the wrong or something, because oh, I was sorry. waiting if there was a little bit. Right, <laughs> me right. Tr- uh, I- I'm Rowan Hall, and I kissed Santa Claus. What? <laughs> 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 um, I'm I'm. Tra- no, go again. You got this. Keep going. No, get throw throw out some options. <laughs> uh, I- I'm Rowan Hall, and I'm rocking around the Christmas tree. Ooh, I'm Tracy Harrison, and.
1: Uh, I suddenly forgot every Christmas song. You know what? I'm Tracy Harrison and I'm
0: Dominic the Donkey. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Willing and Fable, the podcast that brings you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. (laughs) Each week. We research a topic from history
1: or mythology, and then we write an original story to go along with that topic. So if you'd like to support our show, please leave us a review, because they always make our day. And fun fact, Rowan, I was at a family event recently, and I told everyone to say each week we research and see how many of them could do it. And it was very vindicating, because a
0: lot of them struggled. Yeah, again, peek behind the curtain, the number of (laughs) outtakes of each week we research each week we research it's so hard (laughs) i mean i don't even think each week we research wow (laughs) is that noteworthy because we mess up so many words oh the tone of that was like very loving just like because we
1: (laughs) we mess up so many words
0: We do. It's not even always the foreign ones, which we try really hard to figure out and then frequently butcher anyway. I know. It's... Listen, we are doing
1: our best and we're happy to be here with you.
0: Thanks, by the way, everyone, for weighing in on what you think the Christmas, non-Christmas road trip ratio should be. We really appreciate it, getting that information in real time.
1: Yeah, really helpful for us. We all listened really closely and we could hear you screaming.
0: Honestly, if everyone could weigh in posthumously <laughs> of this episode so that I can know if I messed it up or not, that would be great.
1: There is no wrong answer. You're going to make an amazing playlist. It's going to be great. And... uh I I highly recommend Leslie Odom Jr.'s Christmas album because it's some of your favorite Christmas songs, but it is beautifully sung and some of them are like different and unique. So I'd sprinkle I would sprinkle some of those in there.
0: I'm weirdly loyal to Michael Bublé Christmas. Like, I mean, that's been a
1: staple for you since we were kids. So that makes sense.
0: It's because I just want to feel like I'm in whatever cool holiday bar he's singing Mm -hmm. that in. Give Leslie Odom Jr.'s Christmas album a try. Okay, I'm, I, I'm in.
1: I have been a fan of it since it came out. I think in 2015, maybe. Oh God, that's like before disco.
0: <laughs>
1: I, you know, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure disco actually hadn't even been invented yet. Uh, you know what? I'm actually pretty sure disco hasn't even been invented.
0: Yeah. <laughs> to explain that, Tracy and I have, as of today, started measuring things as before or after disco. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, another way you could support our show is by being an absolutely dice-hoarding dragon like us. Uh, That is to say, you got to shop for your dice and other gaming gear at Greenleaf Geek, a longtime partner of our podcast. Leah has a couple of sets up online right now that look like porcelain floral teacups. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have such a hold on me. Can you imagine the fun of like rolling in a fistful of damage with dice that look like they should be accompanied by a shortbread cookie? It's
1: honestly a dream. It's a dream. Uh, she does the coolest concept. So recently I know that she and Jamie, my sister, who does all the art you see in her show, <laughs> uh, did an artist swap where Jamie designed one of her D&D characters. And she made Jamie some dice that were inspired by a Starion from Baldur's Gate. Are you serious? And she actually made- oh, yeah. She did because she's Leah. She actually did two sets because she didn't love how the first one came out. they were a little bit more on the brown side than the red because it's. Because it's all that, like, vampire spooky vibes. Mm-hmm. And, and it's amazing. And it was so cool. And she's just so clever and creative with how she approaches dice making and the the, the way that she thinks about creating characters in dice. Uh, you know, it's so cool to see her do it.
0: And also, Leah told me that I was pretty the other day. And so I'm good for life now. She gives the best compliments.
1: Anytime really I post does. anything on social media, she makes me feel like a
0: queen. She's amazing. So, hey, if you want to support the people who support us with compliments, who hold us up emotionally, you know, support Greenleaf Geek. That's greenleafgeek.com. Or you can follow Greenleaf Geek at Greenleaf Geek on every social media website that you could possibly want to be on. (laughs)
1: And when you shop at greenleafgeek.com, make sure to use the coupon code FABLE, that's F-A-B-L-E, for 10% off your order. Some restrictions apply.
0: Or, or,
1: or, you can support our show by grabbing your friends and sailing off towards the distant horizon. Name your ship and swashbuckle your way through a grand adventure. And then, come back in time for tea. But no matter what
0: you do, we're just glad to have you here. I remember when you first pitched doing that in every episode to me, as if it was ever a possibility that I might say no. And it's my favorite thing.
1: <laughs> it's again, I've said it before. I stole it from uh, Humble Tortoise on TikTok, who goes by Parker. They are Parker's the so best. funny. Parker's the best. They started a long time ago, uh, a gender of the the week list of just (laughs) esoteric, strange things. And that idea was so funny to me of just this weird, nonsensical way to support someone. Uh, And it's been so fun doing these. And you like peek behind the curtain. Rowan came up with the one today. They're so fun. It's just it's it's fun to see the directions we take them because it
0: can be anything. Is this just the peek behind the curtain episode? Like as I think if this is. again, as if we were so secretive, <laughs> right? We love to hoard a secret. <laughs> uh, so this episode, this topic, the Bermuda Triangle. Tracy pitched doing it this week, and was very kind because we've both wanted to cover this topic, and so we both did. <laughs> We did. We did this together and I innocently
1: came into this thinking, well, there's got to be hundreds of years of history and mythology about the Bermuda Triangle. What do the people who are indigenous to that region say about this area? How long have these stories been going on? When was it first termed the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. It's not there's none of that. This is one of those where the it feels as as vast as an ocean and as deep as a puddle.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Poetry. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. The Bermuda Triangle is... Mm, it's it's in the same
1: family as Mothman, you know? Leprechauns was another one I felt this way about. I oh thought, oh, leprechauns is going to be so hard to cover because there's going to be so much. And then it was like, nope, there's not. They're, they're small, fey creatures. End of research. And Bermuda Triangle was a little bit the same, so... It was really cool because when we first decided to cover this, I thought, well, this is such a ubiquitous concept. Everyone knows the Bermuda Triangle. It's a shorthand for so many things. But I, for one, probably couldn't have named any stories about the Bermuda Triangle before doing this research.
0: I could name exactly one, and everyone will find out why shortly. Yeah, we are frequently sprinting right into the brick wall of finding out topics we thought would be... More straightforward being an absolute treasure trove, a tangled web, mm-hmm. uh, just so dense. And then other topics we thought would be very difficult are just straightforward. Right. <laughs> no biggie. The frequency that that happens, you would think by now we would have a handle nope, on. Nope, we don't. And that's and that's what makes this job fun and fresh and funky.
1: Anyway, let's talk about the Bermuda Triangle. All right. The infamous Bermuda Triangle is known by many names. The Devil's Triangle, Limbo of the Lost, and the Hoodoo Sea, just to name a few. Limbo of the Lost
0: crushes.
1: It's the best one. It's the best one. Bermuda Triangle, Devil, I mean, Devil's Triangle is pretty good, too. Gotta say, that's a pretty good one. But Lost, Limbo of the Lost.
0: The Devil has so many shapes, you know? Don't ask me about that. I can't wait. I can't give you any more information. I can't back that up. Don't ask. Yeah, nor should she. Leave her alone.
1: (laughs) Stop weighing in. (laughs) What do you think? This is a conversation with a bunch of people together? (laughs) <laughs> okay, so stories about the mysterious Bermuda Triangle only date back about as far as the 1950s, with the earliest suggestion of unusual disappearances in the Bermuda area appearing in a September 17, 1950 article published in the Miami Herald by Edward Van Winkle Jones. Later, in 1952, George Sand wrote an article for Fate magazine titled, See Mystery at Our Back Door which discussed the disappearance of several planes and ships, including the loss of Flight 19, a group of five U.S. Navy Grumman TBM Avenger torpedo bombers on a training mission. We'll touch on that later, but for now, just know that George Sand was the first person to reference a vaguely triangle-shaped area, now known as the Bermuda Triangle.
0: I just want to quickly flag that at the time... The Bermuda Triangle was given its name. Brenda Lee was five. Brenda Lee, the famous singer who would go on to record rocking around the Christmas tree at the age of 13, of course.
1: (laughs) Okay, so, I mean, does that mean the Bermuda Triangle is older or younger than disco?
0: It's older than disco. It's older than disco. (laughs) On this podcast, everything's older than... Almost everything is older than Disco. <laughs> T- truly. If if the topic of our podcast
1: isn't older than Disco, I'd be really curious to find out why we're covering it. I'm not saying there's not, because I feel like there are some cr- cryptids that probably aren't older than Disco. Oh.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Maybe a ghost story or 2
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the ghost. They get you every time. The
1: ghosts will get you every time. If we say anything on this podcast, it's, it's that
0: the ghosts will get you. More Scrooge energy this holiday season. Ghosts, get in the rich, guys. Yes!
1: <laughs> okay. So perhaps the most famous or at least the most influential article about the Bermuda Triangle was written by Vincent Gaddis in 1964 for Argosy magazine. The article was titled The Deadly Bermuda Triangle, and it claimed that Flight 19 and other disappearances were part of a pattern of strange events in the area of the Bermuda Triangle. And the next year, Gaddis expanded his article into a book titled Invisible Horizons. Now, it's important to note the size of the Bermuda Triangle is not consistent across writings, and sometimes. No,
0: it's not even consistent whether it's equilateral or isosceles.
1: Yes. <laughs> some, some descriptions have it stretching as far as the Irish coast. No. While others give exact, precise, specific <laughs> coordinates, and some just say vaguely it's a triangle near Bermuda. I mean, there's just no consistency.
0: Yeah, it's kind of infuriating which is is foolish because it's a mythological place in the middle of the ocean. Why shouldn't it move and change size and shape as needed? I
1: guess. But if you're going to tout something as fact, at least be specific about it. If you're going to be a
0: myth that is post I don't know, the telegraph, you got to be more specific than that. I'm mm-hmm, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. If
1: you have the technology, use the technology. Exactly. Justify your
0: mythology with a longitude and latitude. (laughs) Again, if we say anything on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So Tracy has kindly provided a map of a version of the Bermuda Triangle. And it one of the points kind of starts at the tip of the Floridian peninsula. And then the southern edge runs the length of the Caribbean islands, kind of the one point stopping at the end-ish of Puerto Rico. And then it goes up straight to Bermuda, and then it comes back to Florida. And that is the nicest, neatest version of the Bermuda Triangle that I've seen, because some of them look like you tried to beauty filter it, and it's all off from this. It's like Oh, yeah. So Yeah, some of them, I mean, try to put a beauty filter on a
1: circle is probably the best way to describe what the triangle looks like when a lot of people do it. This is crisp. This, like you said, goes from Florida to Puerto Rico to Bermuda back to Florida. It's pretty equilateral. It is as as triangle as a triangle gets.
0: The one detail that I like to imagine, if we're in kind of the mythological sphere the world of the okay. gods uh-huh. you know yeah yeah poseidon could appear at any moment the way that this triangle is expressed is it's a slightly lighter shade of blue than the rest of the ocean and mm-hmm. i like to imagine that as you sail into the triangle there's a line of the ocean being lighter blue and you're like uh-oh like time doesn't it to feel like disappear? it should be that
1: way <laughs> it feels to me like the bermuda triangle should have this delineation line this clear you're in a you're in an area. You're in a, a capital A area now. It
0: reminds me of all those videos. Are you on North Sea TikTok? You know I am. It's honestly weird. Uh, also the, Drake's the North Passage. Sea. That's
1: the other one I'm on.
0: Why are they all over everyone's TikTok? But I have gotten to the point where a lot of the North Sea videos are so clearly CG. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, you know, like there's vortexes in the water.
1: Oh, I've seen going, those. I just scroll past them. I don't even like give them the time of day. I've never even
0: stopped and looked at them. Yeah, but I quite like imagining an ocean where there could be a vortex at any moment that points all the way down to the bottom. Other planet. Like and then of course there's of course there's going to be one spooky tentacle coming out or like of some shark swimming by or an eldritch god.
1: I imagine there's a sort of stasis that occurs, like this is a permanent vortex. And then what lives at which levels? What does it look like oh, to God. live in a vortex?
0: One thing we do always say on this podcast is the ocean is the scariest place. This is true. Absolutely not. And uh, th- I think, I think I would like everyone to bear in mind as we go through the Bermuda Triangle, remember the ocean as the scariest place. Like I don't want your Carnival Cruise Margaritaville Ocean. I want your uh, choppy waves, Mm -hmm. stormy seas. Of course. You know, is that a dolphin or a mermaid ocean? Absolutely. Kraken infested all the way. So put yourself there, my friends. And actually, as you put yourself there, I I went on a hunt as Tracy prompted because Tracy found out about it being kind of named in the 1950s. And I went, well, thank you so much for doing that research. But why, though? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because it, a spooky thing happening in an area, it feels like there has to be something that happens sooner, even if it wasn't exactly Bermuda Triangle-esque. hmm So it, it's really good that you did the first bit of research because it provided me this jumping off point. So the idea of the Bermuda Triangle, it is a modern myth, but... Mm -hmm. If you widen your search to the Sargasso Sea, then it gets a little bit better, which is quite hilarious because some versions of the Bermuda Triangle don't include even a little bit of the Sargasso Sea. So Kim Dismont Robinson of the New York Times article Bermuda Triangle Demystified question mark.
1: (laughs) I found the same article and I had the same laugh at the title. (laughs) It's such a good
0: article. It's a really good article. Robinson writes so beautifully that I have this chunk of a quote because I love Mm -hmm. the way that she wrote it. We talked about this. We found the same article. (laughs) So Kim writes, long before the myth of the Bermuda Triangle became popular, Bermuda had already earned a reputation as an enchanted island. It was nicknamed the Devil's Islands by early sea travelers, frightened by the calls of cahow birds and the squeals of wild pigs that could be heard on shore. But perhaps the most damning tales were told by sailors terrified of shipwreck on Bermuda's treacherous stretch of reefs. The island's mystical reputation was perhaps immortalized in Shakespeare's The Tempest, a tale of shipwreck and sorcery in, quote, The Still Vexed Vermouthis. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. how you say it, but I want to. I'm, I love that. Continuing the quote, the early origin of the triangle myth stretches as far back as Columbus, who noted in his logbook a haywire compass, strange lights, and a burst of flame falling into the sea. Columbus, as well as other seamen after him, have encountered a harrowing stretch of ocean now known as the Sargasso Sea. Ancient tales tell of sailboats stranded forever in a windless expanse of water. It is true that relics have been found in the Sargasso Sea, an area of ocean between Bermuda and the Caribbean, but the deadly calm waters are more likely the result of circular ocean currents sweeping through the North Atlantic rather than paranormal activity," End quote. I love this quote for so many reasons, but because it is capturing the kind of ocean that I want us to imagine. We have right. like the squeals of wild pigs coming from the islands. You know, Cersei could be right there.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, that's
0: exactly what I thought of. The Odyssey feels like it happened right here. Mm-hmm. And also to imagine Columbus, absolute rat bastard to be sure, but yes. you know, let's pick a, a different sailor on his ship who may have been good. Strange Lights hits so. Differently Pre-electricity Pre-battery pre Mm -hmm. pre Mm -hmm. Because you can't just be like Oh, it's a
1: satellite in the sky Oh, it's a You know uh,
0: Airplane It reminds me of When Spencer was talking about The UFO that turned out To just be a satellite And I was kind of bummed That he looked it up Mm -hmm. Imagine if you couldn't Just look it up And there were no satellites Like ghost ship? Amazing Ghost ship 100% ghost ship Oh My kingdom for a ghost ship Okay, so I have another map of the Bermuda Triangle that pretty much mirrors yours, I would say. Yeah, basically it the same thing goes from tip of Florida
1: down to Puerto Rico, up to Bermuda, and then back over to Florida.
0: That seems to be the kind of standardized version. And this is from CNN, and they also have a, a mirroring map of the Sargasso Sea. So you can kind of see the places where it overlaps, if you want to describe that.
1: Yeah, so the Sargasso Sea diagram has three arrows going. If you think of the recycling symbol, kind of in a in a flow, Uh, and the Sargasso Sea is basically, if you were to draw a triangle between Florida, Puerto Rico, and Bermuda, put the words Bermuda Triangle in the center of that shape. That is exactly where the Sargasso Sea is labeled here. It is the
0: Sargasso Sea is quite a bit bigger.
1: It's quite a bit bigger and it's much more north. So it's um, the bottom part that's listed here. Is about uh, just below the tip of Florida, and it goes all the way up much further than where Bermuda is uh it goes all the way up to almost Canada.
0: This map is so zoomed out that Bermuda isn't even really on it. It's too little, yes, yeah, and so I think it's kind of funny that there not even funny, uncanny, maybe? Just interesting that the Mm -hmm. Sargasso Sea has this huge mythology around it because, like, truly, scientifically, this ocean is doing some wonky things that may have made it hard to sail. Yeah. And so, of course, there is this longstanding mythology around it. And then the Bermuda Triangle is also there. So (laughs) it's... (laughs) Yes. It's modern and ancient, and you can kind of see... You know, we talk about all the time, you know, you can trace this myth from the ancient Greeks to the ancient Romans to the people who live there now. And, and this is kind of that same trajectory of haunted portion of ocean evolves into other haunted portion of ocean. So I'm particularly fascinated by the wandering vessels. That the sailors spoke of in the Sargasso Sea and yeah. that's the idea that crews would disappear and that ships would drift in the wind unmanned and that's not an unheard-of reality for ships mm-hmm. to continue to drift on the ocean after the crew has vacated yeah for their own safety or or because pirates or because of a lot of different
1: pirates reasons. mutiny weather sickness, you name it.
0: And again, it's just so much scarier if it's sailing ships and there is no steamship yet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a crew to leave. And it it will then drift in the wind if they left it at full sail, even if they didn't. So in 1840, the French ship Rosalie, bound from Hamburg to Havana, sailed through the cursed area of the Sargasso Sea. Of course. And was found drifting Derelict. And I found an article from the Times, London, November sixth, eighteen forty, that talks about this ship. Oh, that's so cool! I'm not going to read it in the the newspaper voice, uh, but ship deserted is kind of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we get a little taste, a little, a little moosboosh of the voice.
0: To I, it, it's a little too early, I think, for the.
1: I think it is a little too early. I like, I voice. like the. I do enjoy the ship deserted, though. That was was tasty.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A letter from Nassau in the Bahamas, bearing date the 27th of August, has the following narrative. A singular fact has taken place within the last few days. A large French vessel bound from Hamburg to Havana was met by one of our small coasters and was discovered to be completely abandoned. The greater part of her sails were set, and she did not appear to have sustained any damage. The cargo, composed of wines, fruits, silks, etc., was of very considerable value and was in a most perfect condition. The captain's papers were all secure in their proper place. The surroundings gave three feet of water in the hold, but there was no leak whatever. The only living beings found on board were a cat, some fowls, and several canaries half-dead with hunger. The cabins of the officers and passengers were very elegantly furnished, and everything indicated that they had been only recently deserted. In one of them were found several articles belonging to a lady's toilet, together with a quantity of ladies wearing apparel thrown hastily aside, but not a human being was to be found on board. The vessel, which must have been left within a very few hours, contained several bales of goods addressed to different merchants in Havana, She was very large, recently built, and called the Rosalie. Of her crew, no intelligence has been received, end quote. There are some really interesting things happening here. It's a beautifully written little hook for a mystery. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Can I please have a Candela Obscura mystery about this? (gasps) Ghost ship. Oh, Candela ghost ship mystery. The dream. Incredible. Truly. So... Some of the interesting details are the people who vacated or were forced to vacate, maybe at gunpoint, maybe Mm -hmm. because of a storm, we don't know, left so many things that could have been carried, like the logbook, even a small portion of the cargo. You could get a small amount of the wine, for example, fairly easily. Right. All of the furniture is where it should be, which says there wasn't a major storm tossing things around. Mm. There wasn't a conflict that flipped over tables. They're not noting bullet holes. And also the fact that the ship had at least one woman aboard is noteworthy because there were not – that many women aboard ships so as to be the standard and of course even to 1840 uh to some extent uh, more or less the the superstition that a woman would be unlucky survived in in different circles and at the very least a woman was a burden on the crew in that she would not be performing acts of labor So she was, to an extent, if she was a fine lady, as all of these articles suggest, Mm -hmm. cargo herself. Right. Oh, wow. What a way to think of it, but so true. She was being transported, right? Like she was not hauling rope. Right. So I think there are so – like this is a beautiful – this is exactly what I wanted from the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. Yes. So, this is considered to be one of the major Bermuda Triangle mysteries, even though the triangle itself had not been officially established. Because, mm-hmm. as with many myths, oftentimes the stories predate the title that they eventually acquire. Like, yes. it, we, it, tutelary spirits are my favorite example of this. But, like, stories yeah. of brownies predate the name brownies. They were just called something else. Mm-hmm. But it's only part of the story. And a lot of times in, in, like, I think every article but one that I read about this, that's where it stopped. So in the book Bermuda Triangle Mysteries Solved by Larry Cush, he says, I regret... "...that a search of Lloyd's records has failed to reveal mention of any incident involving a vessel named Rosalie in the Bahamas in 1840. However, I am enclosing extracts from Lloyd's records which contain references to a vessel named Rossini, which would appear to be the vessel in which you are interested." lloyd's list september 25th 1840 havana 18th august the rossini from hambro to this port struck the mares bahama channel third inst crew and passengers saved lloyd's list october 17th 1840 havana 5th september the rossini from hambro to this port which struck on the mares bahama channel third alt was fallen in with a banded 17th alt and has been brought into this port a derelict so the person who wrote to the other human being who was keeping these records was like Mm -hmm. essentially hey what's going on with the rosalie and the person responded oh there is no rosalie but there is this (laughs) other ship that has a very similar name and had basically every single thing happen to it That went by the name Rossini and given the number of languages that were spoken in and around this area Mm -hmm. and the number of translations and the potential means of communication at the time, it would not be unheard of for a ship called Rossini to be misnamed in an article later to the Rosalie. Yeah. But that means like we know what happened and it was found and... That's true. It removes the mystery. And the crew and the passengers were saved. They didn't disappear into the mists. I mean, I like that for the crew and the passengers. Honestly, though, kind of a bummer for the story.
1: I know. Well, Hillary Maywell writes for National Geographic that when it comes to the Bermuda Triangle, quote, "...the disappearances have been attributed to the machinations of enormous sea monsters, giant squid, or extraterrestrials." Alien abductions, the existence of a mysterious third dimension created by unknown beings, and ocean flatulence. What? The ocean suddenly spewing great quantities of trapped methane have all been suggested as culprits. End quote. What? Oh, we'll touch on that. Don't you worry.
0: Oh, it reminds me of the lake from Spencer's episode. Yes. Except that we were not using the word flatulence. It feels rude.
1: If you describe it as the ocean farting, which a lot of articles liked to do because methane, haha, fart fart funny, um, you know, there's an avenue there. uh, But that's not something that I think we inherently go to. You and I are not the
0: biggest fan of fart jokes. No, also, I'm sorry if I'm the ocean, which is ancient primordial soup that is older Mm -hmm. than walking on four legs – Than swimming? Like, and you're making a fart joke about me? The ocean that holds sharks and whales and giant squids?
1: Shut up. Remember when we used to have respect for the ocean? (laughs) Remember when the ocean was a god? (laughs) Now it's just the ocean farts. Return the ocean to god status.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You respect the ocean, young man, woman, or they them. (laughs) Yeah what she said
1: (laughs) i'm just the person standing behind like the mean girl bully being like yeah we're gonna fight at the park the park like that's me i'm the echo i don't
0: know i i i recognize that i am like a quick to i don't want to say whimsy i don't really like that word but quick to whimsy and that i will make nearly anything a god if if only a mild bit of support is offered to me. <laughs> but come
1: on. I'm stuck on quick to whimsy as a term because I actually unironically love that. I I would be happy being known as someone who's quick to whimsy. I adore whimsy. I think
0: prone to flights of fancy might be my preferred version of that. Whimsy is just so trite. I, I'm taking back the trite. Uh, let me be trite. I'll be trite. <sighs> it just, um, I am prone To, like, witches turning, squealing men into pigs. I am prone to gods cursing people to roll up hill, rocks up hills and let vultures eat out your liver for eternity. That does not say whimsy. You know
1: what I think about more than I probably should? Oh. Is, you know that picture of the two beach houses where the one is pink and purple and white and the (laughs) other is all black? I love that genuinely. I genuinely, genuinely believe you and I present externally. And internally opposites. Like I, 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 I'm the one who shows up and I'm like, I'm wearing all black. I've got my hair dyed black with the blue in it and I've got the tattoos and I've got this and that. And on the inside, I am a pink frosted house. And I feel like you'll show up in a flower crown and a fairy wings and a whole selkie dress outfit. And then on the inside, you are the black house. You are the, the
0: goth. <laughs> Interior, and I feel like that represents us. I think, much to my great chagrin, it's it's very sealy unsealy. Like the unsealy look, like they'll absolutely mess you up. But traditionally, and as the lore has evolved, they have kind of like a code, and you yeah, know, they're, yeah. They're, they'll mess you up, but you usually deserve it. And. I mean, again, in modern versions, and then the silly like, look beautiful, and then they're like, I don't know, I stole your kid and replaced it with sticks because I felt bored. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, popping forward into time mm-hmm. closer to disco, as it were, the U.S. Ui- <laughs> The USS Cyclops was carrying a full load of manganese ore intended for Baltimore steel mills. Pause the story. I don't know why, but I went manganese ore. Manganese ore. The word manganese comes from the Greek word for magic, and Hmm. it's argued whether or not it was discovered by Carl Wilhelm Scheele, who some of you may know I am obsessed with because of the horrible history behind Shield's green pigment. If
1: you know anything about Rowan, you should know that she is deeply passionate about and, and, and fascinated by both Shield's green and the radium girls. If you ever find her in, in in the world and bring those topics up, I can guarantee she'll stop to have a conversation.
0: Honestly, in like the history sphere... Now that the Radium mm-hmm. Girls is so popular, it feels a little bit gauche to like the Radium Girls.
1: <laughs> it's a thing now. I've noticed that online. It's a thing yeah. to like the Radium Girls. Mm-hmm. Especially. All right, we got to find a new, I was. I thought it was cool before it was cool, history fact. I
0: hate it. I hate it so much. I'm like, am I really going to be a hipster about the Radium Girls? Oh.
1: I mean, I think, hey, everyone should learn about the Radium Girls. It's super cool. But now that everyone knows about the Radium Girls, go listen to our episode on elizabeth friedman and oh yeah other really cool people in history (laughs) tracy does such a good
0: job covering elizabeth friedman who is cool
1: (laughs) she's just cool i just that was that one just came out of i i saw a documentary about her and was like this woman is cool as hell we need to talk about her more
0: i just want to be someone who like if she met me she would think that i was cool
1: i want to be the kind of person that anyone meets me and thinks i'm cool that's what i want (laughs)
0: my aspiration lately is to be the kind of person that neo-Nazis meet and hate. You
1: said the best thing to me the other day, which is whenever you get hate from neo-Nazis, which happens more than one you'd expect and two should be the case. Um, Every time it happens, you say you feel glad because the last thing you want is them to feel welcome in your presence. Mm -hmm. And that was like the most eye-opening, mic drop mind-bending moment for me
0: yeah i forget who said that to me i wish i could remember because i i would love to attribute it to them but i yeah i think about it all the time because if they if they don't hate you that means that they're okay with you and i don't right. i don't want that don't be okay with me <laughs> right uh, okay so <laughs> manganese mm-hmm. shields green But we're back on the USS Cyclops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. This was a routine voyage that had been completed by her sister ship, Jason, her brother ship, Jason, only a few months before. It had one of its twin engines out of action when it went missing without a trace with a crew of 306 people after March 4th, 1918. It departed from the island of Barbados, and this incident was the single largest loss of life outside of combat in US Navy history at the time. Although there is no strong evidence of any single theory, many independent theories exist, some blaming storms, some capsizing, and saying that it was wartime enemy activity that we could blame for the loss. Uh, In addition, two of cyclops's sister ships, Proteus and Nereus, again, brother ships, were subsequently lost in the North Atlantic during World War II. In all three cases, the ships most likely sunk due to structural failure. Okay, back to an absolutely unnecessary sidebar. Love it. Because I went Proteus and Nereus, those names sound old. I know I should remember something that's going on here. Mhm. Proteus was considered the old man of the sea. By Homer in the Odyssey, that's why it it struck a uh-huh, chord. Uh huh. And Nerus went by the same title, according to Hesiod in the oh. Theogony. Their origins differ in a variety of stories, but the old man of the sea is generally considered to be able to see into the future, and is often one of the earlier gods that was later subjugated by Poseidon after Zeus dethroned the Titans. Okay, which is really cool.
1: It's cool to have two ships named after them. Like it's just that's a fun little fact to dig
0: up. It's a, it's they're good names for ships. They're good names for ships in relation to the Bermuda Triangle. I do think there's a little bit of poetry in linking these names to the Odyssey uh, and the Old Man Mm and Sea, because that is a story about like the unpredictable, ever-changing nature of the ocean and then the folly of men who try to traipse about
1: (laughs) that's so true (laughs) yeah it's it is man it's man versus everything but in particular man versus the ocean man versus (laughs) all the things man versus everything welcome to my new story it's called man versus everything and that's kind of all we got like again it's just disappearance That's really all you get because the one that I was looking into, which is called the Carol A. Deering, which I'm going to be honest, I fully 100% included in this episode because it is the same name as your mom.
0: Aw, you're so cute. I just thought that was cute. You're so
1: cute. I just, Uh, I was like a ship called the Carol. I'm going to include
0: it. Trace this Washington Times newspaper cover. It's good, right? Is good in so many ways there are yeah please describe can i okay this is a first front page of the washington times from june 21st 1921 and the major headline is ghost ship wait i can hold on is ghost ship met foul play u.s charges okay nice amazing underneath the headline is Foster, head of city's penal institutions, resigns, which is like the right amount of grounded political bullshit to really uh-huh, make uh-huh. this so good. I
1: like that that one is surrounded on each side by stars.
0: Yes, and I do think that like the ghost ship headline wouldn't be in the same paper that uh, someone resigning would be in nowadays. So it's nice to see them together. Mm-hmm. If you go down a level, the next most exciting headline is Seaplane Sink U 117 in five minutes, which is, I don't know, is that short? Is it fast? What's going on there? <laughs> right. It's probably fast. Uh, and then if you go from left to right, <laughs> the headlines are Moyer to get prison job, belief of friends. What? Hmm? What? What? To get prison job? <laughs> the rest of it's too little. I don't know. Is this. I first imagined a prisoner getting like a job while working in prison. Like now you make shoes, but it's a politician. And next to it, it says resigning jailhead and his successor. So clearly Tracy has said it. That is a white guy with really short hair and a middle part to end all middle parts.
1: It's pretty it's pretty intense. It is. a. It's such a 1920s haircut for a man. it's
0: actually it's two dudes who have one has kind of a only marginally floofed middle part and the other guy has a like slicked to his noggin middle part and that is yeah. not the haircut you see when they hire leonardo dicaprio to do a film set <laughs> in the 1920s that's so true yeah, yeah 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 no this is the
1: this is the villain's haircut
0: right you know the one
1: where by the end of the movie when he's all stressed and disheveled the hair's out of place and it feels wrong Because it's so slicked and and crusty looking.
0: The next headline is Flo's life on yacht to be aired. Okay. What are you up to on the yacht that's going to get aired out like dirty laundry? Is this Florence? Is Flo short for Florence? Or is Flo like the nickname of a, a male politician? I don't know. Uh, then there's another picture of someone who, by nature of the printing, instead of having eyes, just the shadow from his eyebrows makes it look like he has, <gasps> yep, yep. like, black pits where his eyes should be. His hair's a little bit more textured, but, like, how textured is it really? We don't know. They're clearly not trying to make this person look good. They're shooting an up angle, which even at the time we knew mm-hmm. was unflattering. And it says, Miner's head, who is running against Goompers. What is a Goomper? You know, I couldn't tell you. And is it this is the miner's physical head or is he the head of the miners? Oh, I mean, ooh, the photo does look like the head's attached to a body. So that's
1: a good sign uh, that it's not a miner's head, but the... Head right, so instead minors. of Miner's
0: head, I should see Miner's head, who is ringing against Goompers. Okay, so... Yeah, instead of saying Miner's head, you should say Miner's head. <laughs> 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 but then we're getting back into, like, a really good headline that would not be in the same paper, and I love that it is. And it's, loss of six ships laid to pirates. This is 1921. Mm-hmm. What's a pirate look like in 1921? Or is it? Are we wearing a drop waist skirt? Is there jazz? Like... So good. <laughs> um, yeah. Then it's navy seaplane N seven destroyed by fire during test. Oops. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> and then it's the last one is air forces send sub to bottom with bomb. <laughs> yeah, they really put a last one in there. That's just <laughs> intense. Send sub to bottom. I know that it's a submarine going down to the bottom of the ocean with a bomb, but that's not what I thought.
1: My brain genuinely—you do want to know what just happened inside my brain? It short circuited, and I was like, "Here's my thought process: was there's a joke here? Funny, haha gay joke? Uh, West Hollywood? Uh, no. Um, okay, something about uh the neighborhood, the neighborhood in Philly. Okay, no. Um, uh, <laughs> me when I me when your mom when when you when when I when when do you ever have a dream so much that you could do anything? <laughs> like what are you referencing (laughs) which is why there was a bit where I was just silent where I was like uh oh I I blue screened myself (laughs) get
0: down there with your bomb (laughs) get go on get (laughs) alright now that we've covered that The Carol A. Deering is a
1: five-masted schooner built in 1919, and it was found hard aground and abandoned at Diamond Shoals near Cape Hatteras, North Carolina, on January 31st, 1921. Oh, I know. FBI investigations into the Deering scrutinized, then ruled out, multiple theories as to why and how the ship was abandoned, including piracy, domestic communist sabotage and the involvement of rum runners i'm
0: sorry i'm so sorry to interrupt you this is one of those moments where you're like what cleopatra and mammoths what are you talking about the fact that there's a five masted schooner run aground Mm -hmm. in the same paragraph as the fbi having to check for domestic communist sabotage Uh uh-huh uh-huh it's got everything. Oh, no. What if the commies run the ship around? Like, what are you talking about? I, I get it, guys. Don't – no one from – who cares about history come at me. I recognize – No one from history, right? <laughs> no no one from the 1920s come after me. No one who – You know what? Actually, I, no. I, I, I'm going to argue with that. The only one who's allowed to come after me is someone who's from the 1920s. You're right. You're right. I just don't want the, like, maritime nerds or the – The Red Scare nerds to be like, well, don't you know, you silly fool?
1: (laughs) Oh, I know. The answer to the question, don't you know, was always, no. (laughs) No,
0: I don't. (laughs) Well, you should have known. Well, I didn't know.
1: Okay, so I'm going to touch on really quickly one of my favorite things that um, I stole from a friend. And it was an inside joke between her and her boyfriend. And I stole it and then turned it into a weapon against people who um i'm gonna say mansplained but you can do this to anyone who's just giving you a lot of information you didn't ask for and okay. in, in in my example someone was telling me too much about cars <laughs> i didn't ask i didn't want to know and so what you do and this is i'm gonna preface this is so rude don't do this to people you like this is rude when they're like oh yeah you know and then the radiator's this and it does this and you can cook it up with the the carburetor and the, the, the <laughs> <laughs> completely panicked. Anyway, you you can hook it up with the blah 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 blah. Yeah, and you just look at them with a smile and you go, maybe. <laughs> they get <sighs> people get so flustered because obviously it's a really wild thing to do. Of like, yeah. So then you know this thing was released in in nineteen nineteen, and they found it on shore and blah blah blah. And you just maybe. You're not even arguing it. It's just maybe they're like, no, it really did happen that way. You're like, hmm,
0: maybe because it says, I don't believe you, but I I <laughs> don't care enough to fight about it, and I don't have the information to fight. I just don't believe you,
1: which is it's so. I mean, you have to do it if they tell you any. Like, oh my god, even just as as simple as someone being like, oh yeah, so you know, uh, you know, Judy stopped by last week, and <laughs> maybe.
0: <laughs> like, what does that mean? You're such a monster. Anyway, that's my it. sidebar. It's... I've reached a point in my life, and I like to think it's that it's because I, Rowan, seem like such an intellectual, but I think it's actually mm-hmm. that I'm just around so many nice men who are doing the work. But right. frequently in the recent past, men have been explaining something to me and then go, I'm so sorry, I don't mean to mansplain X. And my response is, I act." <laughs> like it's not mansplaining if i did not know and wanted the information <laughs> right right it's not Which even not mansplaining if i, I didn't know and didn't ask but i'm clearly engaged in a conversation where we're enthusiastically sharing like mm-hmm. my sweet mm-hmm. sweet lad you are good <laughs> you're good you're but thank you
1: for checking in you know <laughs> but like yeah it's not the same as when i didn't ask about race cars don't care about race cars and had someone talking at me about race cars maybe. and so i just turned on the maybe maybe yeah yeah maybe seems likely you have to do it with aggressive positivity though like you're like you're engaged like you're it just yeah yeah seems likely seems like it could be could be
0: true yeah i just yeah i i believe that for you i i've been thinking about this guys i'm so sorry this is a tangent i've been thinking about this i need to be around more men specifically i don't know why who are kind of mean and rude because it's like like i'm a cat and my claws got mm-hmm. too long and i have nowhere to wear them down oh, like i need a little yeah just a uh-huh, little uh-huh. scratching post guys this i'm revealing what <laughs> how i'm a little bit bad <laughs> a bad person I just, I'm around so many kind and wonderful people and I feel so grateful, but boy, am I just sitting around waiting to go, thanks for telling me, like, just a little offhanded, like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) I've got some people I can put you in front of. (laughs) (laughs) And like, ideally, these people would be disrespectful to Someone else lightly so that I can be defending mm-hmm. someone else's honor and not just a jerk for no reason Me, the yeah, jerk Yeah, yeah, that's always the best It's the best when you can, like,
1: offload any awkwardness or uncomfortable feelings because you're defending someone else So you just get to be angry
0: But, you know, what sane person wishes to be around people who are being jerks? <laughs> I think my fatal flaw is not only do I think that it is my place to uphold justice, it sometimes mm-hmm. it is that I also think I am the arbiter of what justice is, <laughs> and I really I
1: mean, have to be careful. This podcast is free, and we are <laughs> dropping some of the most insane knowledge bombs.
0: Like, no, but like I have wow. to remind myself. Like, no, I do too, because my
1: thing is I am—I'll meddle. I'll meddle. And and I'll I'll tell you what I think you should be doing, and and I've always said that you can tell I've given up on a friendship when I'm like, do whatever makes you happy. I just want you to be happy. I don't care because then I'm like, oh, I don't care enough to fight you. If you
0: ever say that to me, I'm going to instantly cry now. Yeah, yeah, that's fair.
1: Um, it, it, it's usually pretty obvious when I'm like, mm, it really given up. <laughs> but I'm like, girl, you don't need to be that way. You know, I don't need to. I don't need to decide what's best for my friends and then fight them about it.
0: No one needs that. No one's asking for it. Someone dropped the knowledge on me recently that accepting something doesn't mean agreeing with something. Uh. Anyway, so b- b- ghost ships, though.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, ghost ships, right. Um, <laughs> so according to an article in the Library of Congress titled The Mysterious Disappearance of Ghost Ship, Carol A. Deering's Crew, author Malia Walker says that, quote, In April 1921, a message in a bottle found by a man on the North Carolina coast seemed to give the answer to the mystery. Deering captured by oil-burning boat, the note read. (gasps) The State Department began an investigation into the Deering and several other missing ships, and it was suspected that the Deering had been captured by pirates. Then newspapers began reporting the possibility of a Bolshevik plot to steal the ships, cargo, and crews and somehow whisk them all away to Russian ports, end quote. However, by September of the same year, it was discovered that the message in a bottle had been written by the same man who supposedly found it. No.
0: Oh. I know. I was like, this story has everything. It has
1: everything. It's so good. And then it's just a normal mystery. Walker goes on to quote (laughs) Coast Guard Captain Gaskill, who provided a perfectly logical explanation. (laughs) I know. Quote, Faced with a ship stuck on the outer sandbar of the Diamond Shoals, ninety-mile-an-hour winds and waves like mountains, the crew had to make a quick decision to either stay with the ship and risk being stranded, or try to take the lifeboats to shore. With the lifeboats all gone, Captain Gaskell had no doubt that in such a sea as that, the crew of the Deering manned their lifeboats and tried to make shore nine miles away, but no lifeboat could survive in those waters. Oh, that's
0: tragic and not as cool i don't think we acknowledge this enough though also carol a deering has a name for a ship is like a cat my friend's cat being named Derek. like
1: yes yes it's the same as one of my in a different energy but one of my favorite drag names i believe it's it's something very close to this it's just like uh like karen from accounting yeah yeah it's 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 too normal. It's too a a very normal person's name.
0: And I know we had a ship named Jason earlier, but that's it reminds me of Jason and the Argonauts. Like I get it. Yeah. It Carol yeah. A. Deering is just some rich guy's wife. Sh- right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. That story It almost had it all. I when I was
1: researching it, I was so excited, and then I got to the reveal and was like, Yeah, of course. Of course.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I acknowledge the truth of the matter. I accept the truth of the matter. If anybody asks me, I would say, "Here's the truth of the matter." But in my own little head, all of that's getting yep. erased. We're back to ghosts yeah, and messages in back a bottle. To ghosts. Okay, so now let's talk about Flight Nineteen. Which let's do if, it. This is the if you
1: know any story, this is the one you know.
0: This is truly the reason I think Tracy and I are covering this topic. Which Definitely. we both learned about independently of one another. And for anyone who's familiar with Candela Obscura, Critical World's new horror TTRPG that I am one of the lead game designers of that Tracy wrote for, the example assignment The Devil's Well is heavily inspired by the Bermuda Triangle and specifically Flight 19. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's start by... Tracy, can you describe this image of planes? It's US Navy Avengers that are similar to those that would have been on flight 19. Okay. If you're picturing a toy
1: airplane that would be flying around a child's bedroom in a TV show set in the late 90s, early 2000s, -hmm. hanging from a string as it flies around the light, this is the airplane you're picturing. It's I don't know. I don't know ways to describe airplanes, but it's got a propeller on the front. Um, yeah, and <laughs> a propeller on the front. One of those co- uh, cockpits where it's in the center of the plane. Clearly, it's, it's. I think it can be manned by two people. It looks like That's a little bubble. Um, it's one of the. It's. It is exactly the the plane you're thinking of when you think of a pilot from the forties. It's got
0: stars on the top of the e- the end of each wing. It's got stars on the sides. It has the little triangle shaped wings, and then the back, but. Part the, the aft tail tail tail. Why don't I know? Well, I, I suddenly switched to ships, and I don't think I even <laughs> used the right term. Um, it's the cross little doodad, and I yeah. listen. I yeah. recognize that that's kind of what planes have, but it's specifically the cross doodad of of toys.
1: <laughs> yes, I mean this. They look like toy planes. There are five of them in this photo in a straight line going back from the camera. It's a beautiful photograph. Uh, It's above the clouds, so you get the big fluffy clouds beneath the planes. It's black and white. It's it's very cool, but it does you know. Had you put this on a a bunch of planes on a mat that's a picture of clouds, you could get the same image.
0: Yeah, it looks kind of like model planes. Yeah, like little model plane toys or something. Okay, so I've pulled the transcript of Flight 19, and Tracy and I are gonna try to read it, and it's somewhat complex. And I'm going to try to kind of explain it as we go through. My military friends, my friends who are enthusiastic about military information, don't at us. Don't do it. We don't we yeah. don't know anything. We tried to research, but truly, you know, your your codes are spicy. And when we sound like fools mm-hmm. saying them, except that you we get are to fools. you get to giggle and ha ha <laughs> and then <laughs> enjoy that we are fools. ok. Yes. So, Tracy, I recognize that I made a character blue and you are usually blue. You're gonna yeah. be green. Cause I want wow. you to be the star of the show. Okay. <laughs> um and that means that I'm gonna be going back and forth at certain times, but you're gonna be specifically be green. Okay. And got it. And the star of the show goes by F T twenty eight. Uh he's flight leader. NASFL, Instructor Lieutenant Charles Carroll Taylor, I am going to be everyone else. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. Uh, So that at least people can kind of follow Taylor. Yeah. Uh, The first person that I'm going to be is Flight Instructor Lieutenant Robert F. Cox, who's code is ft74 he was forming up with his group of students for the same mission which we'll talk more about and received an unidentified transmission but going into this flight 19 i just want us all to know that this is a test mission performed by the navy where one instructor goes out with their students and this is the last run flight 19 of a group of folks who are about to graduate Got it. And uh, Lieutenant Taylor is their instructor. I'm going to interject probably as we go. I love it. Let's do it. Fox Ter Seven Four, Fox Ter Seven Four to Nan How Able One, Nan How Able One. There seems to be either a boat or plane lost and is calling. Powers suggest you inform tower of it. Over. Nan How Able One, Roger. So that's Fort Lauderdale responding. Got it. This is Fox Tear 74, plane or boat, calling Powers. Please identify yourself so someone can help you. Tower asks if they have any recognition or identification. Do they have any recognition? Negative, not as yet known. So what's happening here is Powers is like, I'm getting this transmission of someone trying to call someone else. And okay. the Fort Lauderdale Tower is like, uh, okay, let's work on that. cool we can all get in on this let's try to help yeah and then an unknown transmission comes in they start picking it up does
1: anyone have any suggestions i think we must be over the keys this
0: is ft-74 calling lost plane or boats please identify yourself over roger this is ft-28 ft-28 this is ft-74 what is your trouble
1: both my compasses are out and i'm trying to find fort lauderdale florida I'm over land, but it's broken. I'm sure I'm in the Keys, but I don't know how far down, and I don't know how to get to Fort Lauderdale.
0: FT-28, this is FT-74. Put the sun on your port wing, if you are in the Keys, and fly up the coast until you get to Miami. Then, Fort Lauderdale is 20 miles further. Your first port after Miami. The air station is directly on your left from the port. What is your present altitude? I will south and meet you. I know where I'm at now. I'm at 2,300 feet. Don't come after me. F-T-28, Roger. I'm coming up to meet you anyhow. So we have this instructor who's like, cool. I'm talking to this person. Mm -hmm. This person is lost. I'm going to help them. I can help them figure out where they're supposed to go. And this guy is like, I don't know where to go. What's going on? You don't have to come over here. And he's like, well, I'm right here. I'll come. Like, (laughs) this sounds like not good. I'll come and help. And then Fort Lauderdale jumps in and says... FT-74, this is Nan NanHowAble1. Is the contact of your call sign MT-28 or FT-28? So Fort Lauderdale jumps back in and is like, who are you? <laughs> MT-28, this is FT-74. Please verify, are you MT-28 or FT-28? Over. Roger, that's FT-28. FT-74, can you have Miami or someone turn
1: on their radar gear and pick us up? We don't seem to be getting far. We were out on a navigational hop, and on the second leg, I thought they were going wrong, so I took over and was flying them back to the right position, but I'm sure now that neither one of my compasses are working.
0: So the interesting thing is this teacher, who's supposed to be there supervising, but the students are supposed to be leading this practice mission, is like, I thought they were messing it up, so I took over. Mm -hmm. I'm navigating now. And this other teacher says, You can't expect to get here in 10 minutes. You have a 30-35 to 35 knot head or crosswind. Turn on your emergency IFF gear, or do you have it on? Negative. Nan Able 1, this is FT-74. Flight of five planes, leader is FT-28. He has his emergency IFF equipment on. Requests if he can be picked up on Fort Lauderdale radar gear. FT-74, Nan Howe Able 1, negative. He cannot be picked up on Fort Lauderdale radar gear. Roger, stand by. FT-28, this is FT-74. Turn on your ZBX. FT-28, do you read? Turn on your ZBX. FT-74, this is Nan Howe, able 1. Tell FT-28 to have a pilot with a good compass take over lead. Over. Roger. FT-28, this is FT-74. Have a wingman with a good compass take over lead of flight. Over. Radar. I made Tracy do the crackling sounds because <laughs> it was... It's crackly. It's crackly. FT-28, your transmissions are fading. Something is wrong. What is your altitude? I'm at 4,500 feet. So the interesting thing that's happening is this teacher was like, they were going the wrong way, so I took over, but my compasses don't work. And everyone's like, okay, so let someone with working compasses take over. Yeah. (laughs) FT-28, your transmissions are fading. Something is wrong. What is your altitude? I'm at 4,500 feet. Nan Howe Able 1, this is FT-74. He is now on a new heading, angles 4.5 and climbing. Nan Howe Able 1, 3 to FT-28. This is the time for all good men to come to aid of their country. Can you read us? So Port Everglades jumps in. So like another call tower is like, hey, cool, I'm involved now. You guys are being picked up.
1: Affirmative. We've just passed over Small Island. We have no other land in sight. Visibility is 10 to 12 miles. I'm at angles 3.5, have on emergency IFF. Does anybody in the area have a radar screen that could pick us up?
0: FT28, this is Able 3 Suggest you have another plane in your flight with a good compass, take over the lead, and guide you back to the mainland. Roger. And then really importantly, there are two unknown transmissions where someone says, If we could just fly west, we could get home. Damn it. If we would just fly west, we could get home.
1: FT-28 to Nanhao Able One of the planes in the flight thinks if we went 270, we could hit land. Went out on a heading of 120. On the second leg of the hop, I took over because I thought they were going wrong. But now I know it's my compasses that were wrong.
0: Nanhao Able 3 to FT-28. Do you have a YG disk for a homing DF? Monitor 4805 for plane FT-28. Plane lost on east coast of Florida. And then a bunch of call towers hop in. Pensacola... Uh, Huoma, Jupiter, Miami, they're all like, Roger, Roger, on it. If you hear him or F 74, alert the net. So if you pick this guy back up or the teacher who was hearing him and relaying for a while, we're in.
1: FT 28 to Nanhow Able 3, we're heading 030 for 45 minutes. Then we will fly north to make sure we are not over the Gulf of Mexico.
0: Nanhow Able 1 to FT 28. Please turn on your ZBX. Repeat. Turn on ZBX. Over. Nanhowable Able 3 to FT28. Please turn on your ZBX. Repeat. Turn on ZBX. Nanhowable Able 3 to any Fox Tear in flight with tear 28. Turn on your ZBX. Over. All planes in this flight join up in close formation. How long have we got now? And then the this unknown mysterious person maybe tries to say something, but there's only crackling.
1: Let's turn and fly east two degrees. We're going too damn far north instead of east. If there's anything, we wouldn't see it. FT-28 to all planes in flight. Change course to 090 for ten minutes. You didn't get far enough east. How long have we been going east? Hello, Nanhao Able 3.
0: This is FT-28. Do you read? Over. Roger, this is Nanhao Able 3. Go ahead. And then this unknown voice comes back. And people now possibly think this is this person powers that the teacher was trying to contact. I receive you very weak. We are now flying 270. Roger.
1: We will fly 270 until we hit the breach and run out of gas. Planes, fly close to formation. When first man gets down to 10 gallons of gas, we will all land in the water together. Does everyone understand that?
0: NanHowAble3 to FT28, if you can change to yellow band, 3,000 kilocycles, please do so and give us a call. NanHowAble3, this is Foxtair 28. This is NanHowAble3, shift to 3,000 kilocycles. I receive you very
1: weak. How is weather over Lauderdale?
0: FT28, this is NanHowAble3, weather over Lauderdale clear, over Key West, C-A-V-U, over Bahamas cloudy, rather low ceiling, poor visibility. Is that a ship on the left? And then there's this crackling from this unknown voice again. So the interesting thing that's happening is the Everglades Tower is like, shift your radio signal and let's talk on this other channel. Mm -hmm. And Taylor's like, I'm not doing that. And from what I read, it's because he didn't want to get off the channel that the rest of his flight was on. So he wanted to keep being able to talk to the people in his group, especially because the tech was wonky. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to get his bearings based on what the weather is in a couple of different locations. So it's like, if I'm where it's sunny, then I'm probably closer to this place versus, so. That makes sense. Yeah. Nanhao Able 3, can you hear me? Hear you, strength 3, modulation good. Nanhao Able 3 to FT28, can you shift over to 3,000 kilocycles over? FT28, please change to 3,000 kilocycles. Shift to 3,000 kilocycles over. Nanhao Able 3, how do you read? Very weak. Change to 3000 kilocycles.
1: Hello, Nanhao Able 3, this is FT28. I can hear you very faintly.
0: My transmission is getting weaker. Hello, Nanhao Able 3, this is FT28. Over. Change to yellow band channel 1, 3000 kilocycles, and give us a call. My transmission is getting weaker. Change to yellow band, 3000 kilocycles, and say words twice when answering. Nanhao Able 3 to FT28. Did you receive my last transmission? Change to channel 1, 3,000 kilocycles. Repeat once again. Change to channel 1, 3,000 kilocycles. I cannot change frequency. I must keep my planes intact. And then this unknown voice. We may have to ditch any minute.
1: Hello, Powers. Do you read me? Hello, Powers. This is Taylor. Do you read me?
0: Over. Roger, I read you. Hello, Powers. I've been trying to reach you. I thought you were calling base. Negative. What course are we on? Holding course 270.
1: Affirmative. I'm pretty sure we are over the Gulf of Mexico. We didn't go far enough east. How long have we been on this course? About 45 minutes. I suggest we fly due east until we run out of gas. We have a better chance of being picked up close to shore. If we were near land, we should be able to see a light or something. Are you listening? We may just as well turn around and go east again.
0: Nan, how label 3 to FT-28, do you read me? Nan Able 3 to FT28. Do you read me? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I do not know why they were counting.
1: <laughs> Hello? Powers? Powers, what is your
0: course? What course are we on now? Fox Tear 3. Fox Tear 3. FT three, this is Able three. Come in, please. You are reading very weak. Come in, please. Fox three. Fox three. Fox three. And then just this last unknown transmission. Spooky. That's it's so spooky. It's kind of spooky, right? It's the like they're so lost, and it's not
1: someone at any point making a really stupid decision they didn't think through. It's just people all trying their best to solve a problem.
0: So on December 5th, 1945, Flight 19, often referred to as the Lost Patrol, consisting of five TBM Avenger torpedo bombers, vanished during a training mission over the Atlantic Ocean. The squadron's planned route was to go east from Fort Lauderdale, then north 73 miles, and finally return to complete an exercise where they practiced dropping their torpedoes. However, their flight never made it back to base, clearly. Mm -hmm. Some details that always pique the interest of conspiracy lovers, uh, though, are kind of hard to verify, uh, like, for sure, for sure. Each aircraft was fully fueled, uh, but none of the crafts had clocks, and they were relying on the students to have wristwatches. And this is interesting because the exercise specifically was to teach... Dead reckoning, which is a, a major portion of which requires calculating elapsed time, because you're using the estimated distance traveled rather than landmarks to navigate. Mm. And a clock is a very important part of that. Yeah. So it would be standard for a plane to have the clock. Takeoff was scheduled for thirteen forty-five local time, but it was pushed back to fourteen ten after the instructor Taylor, who Tracy played, arrived late. Mm. some say that he asked not to do the run possibly because he was sick we don't know we can't confirm but th- there weren't any other teachers to go around basically okay and taylor was supervising the mission but a trainee was the leader in the front of the formation and this was the last of these like classes practice runs mm-hmm. of this group so they were they sh- were a little bit more experienced. It wasn't like this was their first go. Right. Uh, And so it has been speculated, like, was Taylor late? Because he was drinking. Like, what's going on there? And then the weather at NAS Fort Lauderdale was, quote, favorable, sea state moderate to rough. And many articles describe it as, like, a perfect sunny day. While Mm -hmm. others note that actually the seas were pretty intense and the winds were high, but that's not enough to cancel the mission. Yeah. But it wasn't like the best day ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. During the search and rescue operation, a PBM mariner with a crew of 13 also disappeared. A tanker off the coast of Florida reported witnessing an explosion and observing a large oil slick while searching for survivors unsuccessfully. The weather conditions were deteriorating as the incident unfolded. According to reports from the time, the Mariner had a history of explosion caused by vapor leaks when carrying a heavy fuel load, as it likely did for an extended search and rescue mission. Navy investigators determined that the disappearance resulted from a navigational error, which caused the aircraft to run out of fuel. And it's also worth remembering that losing this many planes is expensive.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So... I don't actually know what the procedure would have officially looked like if they'd recovered these people, but I can imagine they'd be looking to lay blame for such an expensive loss. Yeah. Uh, And then sending out these other people to find them and then losing them makes it even more expensive, which I hate to overemphasize when there's loss of life. but. The loss of money Mm -hmm. was probably very upsetting. Oh, loss of
1: money, bad PR as well, because it's not making them look very competent. Yeah.
0: And it's tragic. It's just tragic. Yeah. And these planes and bodies were never recovered. So Howard L. Rosenberg wrote in the article Exercising the Devil's Triangle that, quote, few have really dug into all the aspects of this mystery, but many are content to attribute the loss of Flight 19 to some mysterious source like UFOs. Michael McDonald did do some digging. In an article he wrote for the June 1973 edition of Naval Aviation News, he suggested the most realistic answer to the loss of Flight 19 was simple, that after becoming lost, they ran out of gas. Many question that possibility by asking, how could such experienced pilots get lost? How could all the compasses be wrong? If the planes were flying through a magnetic storm, all compasses could possibly malfunction. Actually, man's knowledge of magnetism is limited. We know how to live with it and escape it by going into space, but we really don't know what exactly it is."
1: I mean, I do understand the the idea of like, well, they're so experienced. How could they get lost? And I think the thing that people don't want you to then jump to is the really logical answer of it doesn't matter how experienced you are. Everyone can make mistakes yeah. because that's not as fun as aliens abducted them.
0: I think the thing that's so tragic and the reason that I emphasized was the person being like, we need to go west. If we could just go west, damn it. If they'd gone west at the time – that that person said that, they mm-hmm. would have made it back to safety. Oh. Oh. I just wonder how
1: all of them could get lost. Like, what are the protocols? Like, if one person who – the person who wanted to fly west, could they have broken off and just flown west? What oh, would happen? Oh, no. It's
0: the military, right? And he's the teacher. He's the lieutenant. So if the lieutenant's like, we got to fly east, we got to fly east, and this one person's like, no, we have to go west. Yeah. I don't think you can just – I. I'm sure there's, there's bad, 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 bad repercussions. Yeah.
1: Hey, everyone. Remember at the beginning of the episode when I said there wasn't a ton of info on the Bermuda Triangle? Well, it turns out Rowan and I love to talk about the topic anyway, so we turned this into a two-part episode. Next week, I'll be debunking some theories on the Bermuda Triangle, and Rowan will share her story from the perspective of a god. So thanks for joining us for part one of the Bermuda Triangle. And in the meantime, let's talk about something good. Okay, my something good this week is that it's been announced that
0: Hasbin Hotel is going to air in January, and I'm very excited. I think the, that who's the creator? You, this person needs to know that you are the single loudest fan. Um.
1: <laughs> In this fandom, I'm most certainly not, but I am a big, I'm a big fan of the work that's happening over there. Uh, it's Vivian Madrano, goes by Vivzy Pop, um, and so Has Been Hotel has a one half hour pilot on YouTube, and that's all that we've seen so far. And it just got picked up, and it's going to be airing as an official show on but January 19th is when it airs. And it's got, like, massive Broadway stars in it. So it's going to be a lot of singing, a lot of animated (laughs) dancing. (laughs) And I just think that whole universe is fun. So um, I like supporting, you know, supporting creators who are putting out not just really unique content, but really unique and, and fun and queer content that isn't produced necessarily or created by a very structured old white man and his longstanding corporation. So... That's my something good, is Been Hotel. And now I'm going to turn it around to you, Rowan. Tell me something good.
0: So my something good this week is actually something good that Tracy and I have been enjoying for a while and have talked about a lot. Uh, and that is that uh, a listener named Rachel K. sent us both to the separate P.O. boxes on each coast a handwritten letter. Uh, and. The- they very kindly wrote the letter out twice and sent one to each of us and mm-hmm. noted it in the letter yeah, uh, yeah. and in the card and and said they, they did it because getting snail mail is fun and they wanted it's us the to both have a little bit of joy. And I we've had it for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's been a few months at this point. It has. And I cried when I first opened it, but I keep it at my desk and I read it frequently When Mm -hmm. I'm struggling with sort of the act of creation or, you know, the many, many things uh, in life. And also I specifically allow myself to read it when I am struggling with the reality of being an artist uh, and the the difficulties that just come from being tired or feeling like you have writer's block or uh, feeling like creation is daunting. Um, and I, I don't want to read it because they did, I didn't ask if we could, and and it was a letter that was written to us, but I, I wanted to particularly note that, um, she says that we should be really proud of ourselves. Yeah. Um, uh, and that we have kind of been the virtual friends that she needed to get her through a tumultuous time. And that,
1: sorry, that part always always gets me because I've been on the other side where I've had really hard times that podcasts have... There's just sometimes when you're having a rough time, like there's one show that you're like, this is the one.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. I've been there. And if we're that for other people... <sighs> we've both had podcasts that got us through tough times and we both have gotten each other through tough times. Uh, but mm-hmm. I also think that, especially because we've been gone for a minute as we've had a lot of work to do, um, that... I wanted to just kind of say for everyone who's listening that this podcast has gotten us both through tough times, the making of it. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it's so moving to hear it on the other side. Yeah. Because we then, like, in this episode, we jokingly, like, talk to everyone, and I think the part of that joke is, like, we can't hear if anyone responds, <laughs> but I, we are so lucky in that we often do get to hear how people respond. Yeah. And people are so supportive, and it, not even in the times they do communicate directly with us, but just generally, I think very often lately I have found out that people that I didn't know listen to the podcast do, uh, and even just the idea like we get to see numbers of people that listen and most of those people have never and will never talk to us but mm-hmm. just s- the fact that they still continue to listen you guys continue to listen is is very moving and so i specifically wanted to thank rachel k for that card uh, so that you know how much tracy and i talk about it and how much it means and how often <laughs> we read it yeah yeah it's
1: even even beyond just that um one of the things that he get really gets me um i don't know I- emotional proud like I, I the thing the thing I have feelings about is when I go into our discord or I go into maybe the comments on social media and I see our listeners interacting with each other and getting excited about things or sharing their their homebrew campaign ideas and then someone else comments with suggestions and someone else comments with a, a link to some guides and someone else puts in oh here's where I got my minis and, and watching these people genuinely and authentically share a love of something or experience or connection that is merely facilitated by the fact that they all found each other through us like the idea that we have spawned this community that's really kind and generous and thoughtful and excited and that that really gets me because I, I think we're very lucky in the base of people that listen to us. Uh I, I know a lot of people say that, but I really believe the people who listen to us are just We are exceedingly lucky. <laughs> they're so yeah. Everyone who you you all of you are just thoughtful and generous and gracious and and insightful and um willing to to listen and learn and educate. And I I'm just very grateful for that. And so um yeah, a lot of those feelings have spawned from from that note and any yeah. any and all notes we get. Um, we save them all and
0: I think I can have a tendency to be very afraid of the internet because it is like max perception and also the place where people are most likely to tell you that you're wrong, especially as your work it gets to a wider and wider audience. Mm-hmm. People are more likely to be mad at you or upset at you or not like y- your opinion or or your work or for any number of yeah. things uh and i think that this community has been a wonderful group of people not to be afraid of one um but also my hope and something that you and i talk about a lot is that people know that we tried our best if we make mistakes like we just yes. can get to a point. That if we make a mistake that it is in earnest and we tried our best Uh, and I think that to get a card after all this time and all this work and see that someone says someone who we don't know and who through no other force in this earth would we have ever possibly met uh, to say that they're proud.
1: Uh, I'm going to start crying because <laughs> Ron and I talk about this off pod. Like we've had multiple conversations uh, about these things and it like almost always results in one of us crying, if not both. I think it's going to be me who breaks because this mm, is nope. just.
0: Mm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I, uh it has definitely also caused me to say to people that I'm proud of them more often. Yes. When I am. Me too. And it's it, people that I, I don't think i would otherwise say i'm proud to because i think we're usually taught to say like i'm proud of you to people that are younger than us or people that or that we have authority over yes i was just gonna mm -hmm. say that Mm -hmm. uh and i think that some people see pride as also like some amount of ownership like i'm proud of you because where you are was influenced by me or affected by me and i choose not to ascribe to that i i think i try to especially lately since we received this card from Rachel, think of pride as like savoring someone else's success. hmm Oh,
1: what is that word my therapist told me that means joy in other people's joy?
0: Is it like the reverse of shun, It's the
1: opposite of compersion. It is the opposite of essentially jealousy. It's even though you might, because you can feel the idea of jealousy and compersion at the same time. But I, I think when I say I'm proud of people, it, it is more t- – it tends to be compersion than just mm. proud. Like I'm proud that I get to call this person a friend of mine because they're so amazing and incredible. And then I feel this compersion of I'm so filled with joy that someone I love gets to do something, experience something, accomplish something that is challenging or, or you know, now they're successful. Like finding that joy in their joy.
0: I feel like pride also acknowledges the work somehow. Yes. I don't know why. I don't know if I can justify that. It just feels like it acknowledges the work in the same way you can say someone's so talented, which is not my favorite, but you could say that they're so skilled.
1: Yes. No, that's a great point that that pride does imply work because I'm not proud of someone. You, you don't necessarily say to someone like, I'm proud of you for getting married.
0: I'm proud of you like, for imp- winning the lottery like right it doesn't right. make sense
1: it doesn't it doesn't work but i'm proud of you for getting a job i'm proud of you for accomplishing a goal i'm proud of you for
0: getting out of bed this morning good work sometimes that's hard <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i i know how much it can be work to get a card and write out the card not much less do it twice and twice. then put a stamp on it and then mail it so i thank you so much that effort has long been noticed and mm-hmm. it's just It's it feels almost too good for something good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Uh, glad
1: you had me go first. How lame would Hasben Hotel have been after this insanely heartfelt
0: thoughtful my sweet sweet love i
1: know and
0: i also know <laughs> that this is an us something good this was by design <laughs> hey
1: uh if i haven't told you lately um i love you very much
0: <laughs> she didn't know i was gonna do this so I, I would never try to throw her under the bus especially because some weeks i'm like my something good is a snacky <laughs> Sometimes that is the something good. Okay, we're going to fall down another rabbit hole. So for now, I'm going to
1: wrap it up and say thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. And remember that stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend.
0: Or tell a foe. And we'll see you soon. Okay? Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our logo is by Jamie Harrison, and our music is by Taylor Ashe. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch, or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out William and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating.
1: Laboratory experiments carried out in Australia have proven- Sorry, did
0: you say laboratory? You had the option to say laboratory and you said laboratory? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> I've
1: been watching a lot of um, British TV shows, clearly.
0: Aluminium, <gasps> let's
1: go. Aluminium. <laughs> <laughs> tip chip cherry